Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week, someone I've been looking forward to talking to on this program for some time, and that's David Crabtree, who finished a 40-year career in commercial broadcasting as uh, an anchor man who uh, uh, was on WRL for years and years and years, and now has begun a second career as CEO of PBS North Carolina, as we said, better known probably to you as WUNC-TV. David, before we get back again to talking more about WUNC-TV and PBS North Carolina, let's talk a little bit about the news media in general. The Daily newspaper has just almost completely gone away as far as its role in providing news for folks. We talked about the fact that the three networks for years were the ma- well, uh, provided a major source of national and international news. Now we've got all these cable channels, and um, I, I, I worry about where people are getting their news and how they're getting the news. How do you feel about this? Well, I share your concern. At the same time, I think viewers are pretty savvy. We may not always hear from the ones who are savvy. They they don't always have the loudest voices in the room. But they they see through things, uh, I think, better than sometimes I might have felt they did when I used to wring my hands constantly. And believe me, for four decades. Uh, I used to feel at times, I know Deborah Morgan and I, WRL, uh, you know, anchored, anchored evening newscast cast together for uh, better than 15 years. I was there 27 years at, at that one station. And uh, Deborah and I used to just almost be in tears some days, Don, about what are we doing? Why, why are we not covering this? How do we do this better? We missed the mark on this. Uh, uh, there's another side to this story. We're all, we're only giving one side, and then we we both had. I don't I don't want to speak for Deb, but uh, I, I know for me I had to step back even more so and say, hold on a second, hold on a second. My lens may not always be the right lens. I like to think that it's multifaceted. Sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. So I, I had to be real careful of uh, saying what the truth is. Because, you know, truth has a way of shifting. Some truths expire. Something, you know, before I said that to a a civic club meeting recently and somebody pushed back and said, well, give me an example of truth expiring. I said, "Okay." before January 20th of 2009, we could say in this country, truthfully, there'd never been an African-American president. Once Barack Obama was sworn in, that truth had expired things move on. Truth swings back and forth sometimes. So we look at, you look at the landscape of news coverage. uh, You understand that like you were sharing with me off air, having a job in Cleveland County where the owner of the station said, we serve this County. You, you may want us to serve from the mountains to the coast, but you know what, Don, we serve this County. Jim Goodman would remind me over and over, we serve the triangle. This is our, know your audience, pay attention to your audience, be truthful, be as honest with your audience as you can be. So you have that example versus the national landscape. 
So here we go. Now with cable, which you have to pay to receive, it is not free to watch Fox News or MSNBC or CNN. You have to pay for it. Therefore, they can say anything they want to say and take any editorial stance they want to say. That's the reason you can have it what I would call the extremes on cable as well. They don't get the viewers, but they get to be on a, on a cable uh, on the system, whether it's Spectrum or whomever it may be. The big problem is it all looks the same to the viewer. I've had so many people say to me, well, I'm looking at the same subject being covered. I watch it being covered on CNN and I see they focus on this set of facts, and I go to Fox, they focus on this set of facts. They, I go to MSNBC, they focus on this. We go to PBS, you're focused on this. Who do we believe? What do we believe? Well, trying to educate people to that, even though they're savvy, sometimes can be like pushing a boulder uphill. Um, it's difficult. There's so much misinformation in the world that looks credible and looks real and sounds real, that it, it's hard to combat it. Um, however, even in the days when newspapers were king, I mean, look back to the days when, when the NNO had the readership that it had, the circulation that it had. Uh, in that case, there was a political message being pushed. Frank Daniels, if he were still living, would be, Glad to tell you what they stood for. Think back to the days when um, the big networks were just the big dogs. Um, people were afraid to challenge them at times. I'd like to think that they were honorable in what they were doing. But I wasn't there. I wasn't in the room. I don't know. Um, we can, you know, Don, you and I have been around long enough to know that uh, Hubris is um, a weighty thing, and it can find us and attach itself to us, and we have no idea that it's there until it gets so heavy that it, 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 we realize we've tilted one way or the other. Uh, and, and we don't start out uh, wanting to be that way. It, it just happens. And I think at times... With some of us in the media over the years, um, we get a little full of ourselves sometimes because we're we are outraged that something could be happening that we think so clearly should not be happening, and yet we have to we have to pull back at times and think. Well, wait a minute. Uh, let's just take an election where the that it was mean and hateful and. People wouldn't talk to each other about it. And <clears throat> for the sake of a conversation, let's say it, it ended up being 51 to 49%. Well, the one with 51% gets the job. But what about the, all those people in that 49% group? What about their thoughts? Do they just go away? Do we just ignore them and say, well, you lost, too bad? Um. I, again, I think you and I have seen over the years what happens when we treat that that group of people, whoever it may be, 
um, as if they don't matter. I think the biggest challenge today, Don, I truly believe this, yeah, for all media, for, but particularly for those with active newscasts, which I know many of your radio stations have active newscasts, is to make sure that everyone listening, everyone viewing, everyone reading the paper or reading a story online is made to feel that they matter and that they're relevant and that their ideas matter, even if they're not always in the majority. They matter. And everyone is entitled to have that idea and to voice that idea. When you say everyone, and you're going to say you're inclusive, you better mean it. Okay? That's hard to do. But I think it's a worthy goal. Man, that was a long answer to your question. My apologies. I went in about <laughs> No, no I, I think you, you expressed it extremely well. And, you know, one of, the, one of the great advantages of radio news is it's very hard to show bias in the, in the uh, five second, uh, in five sentences in a newscast. Uh, the longer the, the story, the more the more the the bias or the opinion of the reporter just naturally slips in. Let me ask you another question. And this is uh, something that has always bothered me, but it's something that uh, survey after survey and all the polling we do shows that people have a great deal of interest in it. But rapes, robberies, and murders dominate the, the local newscasts. And uh, uh, the public has a curiosity about these three uh, these three areas. And so they demand more and more coverage. Yeah, they do. And, and I always wanted to respect the fact that people not only have the right to know, they have a hunger to know. But let's do that. Let's present these facts as tastefully as we can. Um, I, I, I had more. <laughs> I'm laughing because I normally lost these arguments, but I had more than one argument with management it, over my career um, about due process. And just because someone has been charged in a crime, even though that uh, the the mugshot is there and it's been given out to the public, you could now go online and look at it if you want to. But because we have the right to do it, does it always make it right to do it? And to in those cases, in those cases where either charges were dropped or somebody won a court case, it was exceedingly rare that we ever went back and covered that story with the same intensity as we did when that story broke. Yeah, And I found that that would be one of the things that would keep me up at night saying, Ooh, what if this person's been unfairly charged? What if there was a problem with the, with the testing with this DWI? What if they find, uh, uh, and, and and they're rare cases, but I think of the case of Dwayne Dale down in uh, Wayne County, who served 17 years for a rape he didn't commit until the rape uh, that the DNA evidence was found in a detective's desk after that detective died of a heart attack, and it was tested in the lab, and they discovered that the man who actually did the rape was already serving in another prison, and Dwayne Dwayne Dale had nothing to do with it. My gosh, now that story did receive a lot of coverage, but um, I think we have to respect the appetite of what people want, but context, 
Oh, context is important. And and you said it I, in in a short radio story, you have to be factual and straightforward uh, and yet still find a way to <clears throat> excuse me to be to be fair with those facts and to keep them in context. And that's a great challenge. And Don, you know when you're in a competitive race and you're a young reporter, a young announcer, a young anchor or older who now is trying to juggle five balls at one time uh, to be on air, to post something online, to write a blog, to do a podcast, to make some more phone calls. I, it's tough. Now, it's what we get paid for, so I, I'm not making excuses for it. But it makes the job even more difficult. And yet, the public wants it, they demand it, and we better do our job of serving the public as honestly as we know how to. And by the way, if we make a mistake, don't bury the mistake. Come back and admit it and admit it quickly and openly. Well, you know, uh, I recently, during all the recent news involving uh, former President Trump, one of the things that has been pointed out several times is freedom of speech is an interesting thing. Because we have freedom of speech does not permit us to go into a motion picture theater and and uh, scream out fire. I mean, it, it, you know, you have the freedom to do it, but you also have the responsibility of doing what uh, is uh, covered by that uh, uh, that wonderful freedom of speech that we have. Our guest yeah. is uh, David Crabtree. We have one more segment. And in that final segment, we are going to focus almost entirely on, uh, David, your plans at uh, PBS your challenges, what you see happening and what you would like to see happen. And we will do that. Uh, we're going to take a break and then we'll come back and uh, we'll, uh, as I said, spend most of the final segment on the plans of PBS North Carolina, where you now serve as the CEO. We'll be right back after these messages. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out salesmen to the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. And welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest again this week 
is the the uh, CEO of PBS North Carolina, David Crabtree, who uh, is now in his second career as an executive instead of sitting behind an anchor desk as he did for some uh, thirty five years in television. Uh, so, uh, and we've had a delightful time talking about not only uh, the state of uh, television, but also the state of news in general. But uh, in this segment, we want to turn uh, back to uh, your uh, present assignment as head of PBS North Carolina. Uh, So you might want to start off with what uh, you view as your biggest challenges. Wow. Uh, The biggest challenge is to remain relevant in a world that is increasingly crowded and looking to get the attention of a potential viewer and giving them product programming safety that they know is worth their time and investment, whether it's for 15 minutes, 15 seconds, or an hour and a half. Uh, and, And that is a challenge. And you do it in an atmosphere where we are public media. So you have to raise a lot of money every year to make sure that Uh, the salaries of people can be paid and the equipment is there and the building is, doesn't have a leaky roof. um, And that benefits are paid to people and that we produce more programming. That's just a few of the things that are challenging. Some people think that we get all of our funding uh, from the government and that's not true. We do get about 35, 36, maybe 37% of our funding from the state of North Carolina the rest are from viewers who decide to support us or, or philanthropic uh, tendencies of viewers over long-term periods of time. So that challenge, Dot, is we have a, an incredible responsibility to the viewers, to the people who want to watch our programming and choose to watch it. And it's to find new ways to do things without abandoning what brought you to the table to begin with without abandoning the mission of of Bill Friday, without abandoning the uh, notion that we are there to educate and to keep people safe, but to also entertain them and to stay current with what we're doing. You can't live in the past forever and remain successful. You know that. You have to adapt. But you don't want to adapt so quickly and run so far ahead of everyone that they lose sight of who you are, or we lose sight, more importantly, of who those folks are. So uh, it's a constant challenge, but I work with a lot of people who are so much smarter than I am. Young people uh, with fertile minds and ideas and passions about serving the public, being public servants, that it makes the job a lot easier. Sometimes I worry, uh, especially in broad, uh, radio broadcasting, that our production values sometimes become more important than the content. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I think you and I would both agree that content is king. Uh, and sometimes we uh, uh, can get lost in worrying about production values over content. Content uh, has to be king. You know, I go back to that saying that I've heard all my life. Um from so many people, either hearing it from someone like Billy Graham or hearing it from a politician who said, you know, you can put lipstick on a pig and and give that pig a bath, give it perfume, a lot of makeup, 
uh, it's still a pig and you let it walk out the door, it's probably going to go back to the mud. Uh, dressing something up that's thin or vapid is not going to make it any more meaningful. You have to start with good content. Then, then, if it needs a greater production value, if it needs the edges uh, polished, if it needs a little more light on it, literally and metaphorically, if the audio needs to be better, if all those things of production need to happen, then it deserves to have that. But start with the content first. There, there has to be good information there. And sometimes, you know, to be quite honest, no matter how hard you try on good or great content, we're going to miss the mark. How many production meetings have I been in following newscast or following work uh, at PBS North Carolina afterwards and said, wow, I don't want to dwell on this, but here's an opportunity we may have missed. Going forward, let's keep this in mind because maybe it's not the exact same set of circumstances, but a different set of circumstances that look and feel a lot like this will present themselves again. When that happens, let's look at it this way. Let's not miss these couple of questions that we really should have asked uh, these lawmakers. Not to put them on the spot, not to play gotcha, but to unearth, how did we get here? What does this really mean? Some people interpret this this way. I've got a feeling your ideas maybe are a little different. Not to be afraid to uh, explore that. Uh, and, and when it comes to programming involving anything around children, uh, let's make sure we're talking to parents. Uh, let's make sure it's not just the fact I'm a parent and a grandparent. How about parents who are active right now dealing with a given subject? Let's talk to those parents. Let's give them what we think, what we're working on that we think is going to be pretty good and ask them not necessarily like a focus group, but just really ask, does this make sense? Are, are we on the right track? Are we missing something? In public media, we have more of an opportunity to do that than I ever had in commercial. Uh, so woe be it to me if we don't do that. UNC TV is a part of a system. Yes, uh, there are a lot of PBS stations that only serve one market. Uh, so, in a, uh, how many statewide systems are there? Uh, well, you know, we serve, uh, like you wanted to say in Cleveland County, or you did say that one time, we actually do serve from the mountains to the coast. Yeah. Uh, with the singular exception, uh, there is also some duplicity uh, or duplication, not duplicity, excuse me, uh, some duplication in the Charlotte area, there is a small station there, PBS Charlotte, that operates out of Central Piedmont Community College. Other than that, we are linked all across the state. We have, again, 13 transmitters within our system. Uh, you know, within the UNC system, there are 17 campuses. Uh, we, uh, we, you know, technically, Don, our license is held by the Board of Governors. Uh, we serve and we are fueled by the power of the UNC system. And so we are all part of this statewide system, but it is unique for public television. There are few others in the country like us, but, 
you can go to neighboring Tennessee, my home state, and you've got a PBS station in Memphis. You've got one in Nashville. You've got one in Chattanooga. You've got one in Knoxville. Have one in Cookville, small one owned by the city of Cookville. I think maybe even one in Jackson, Tennessee. So there are all these different smaller PBS stations around the country that don't have the luxury that we have of, of being a statewide system. That it's, you know, I, it's sort of like your coverage with, with Curtis media, you, you're, you're a network and we are a network of stations and transmitters all across the state. You'll see that in our ID, but it's all carrying the same signal. You alluded earlier, might we, might we chop that signal at times to better serve people in a given area? I made note of that during a break. That's something I need to explore more deeply, but right now, we are that system. It serves to our benefit, and it gives us a little more, uh, a little more power, a little larger voice when we're dealing with PBS National about standards and practices, about what matters, and to remind them we cover an entire state. And so, uh, it, it's part of the responsibility we we take very seriously. You have alluded to this several times, but perhaps. The single most popular feature of public television, at least from my point of view, is the way that you handle your children's programming. Uh, any changes in the future in the way that this is done or new types of programs for children? Uh, well, a couple of things. Let me tell you about a new one we're really excited about in this world of podcasting. PBS North Carolina is now producing the first podcast um, I like to say first ever, but that's redundant uh, for <laughs> PBS National for children. It's being produced out of out of our studios uh, there in Research Triangle Park. Uh, yet it's going uh, nationwide and it is designed to give children uh, opportunities to think more about maybe what they might want to do with their lives uh, or what interests them, that it's OK to pay attention to maybe something that gets your interest that's different than what other people may have said to you. It, it's a fun podcast. Uh, that's what we're doing in that world. For children's programming, we continue to go county to county, uh, working with school systems, uh, making sure they know that message from uh, PBS Kids is there for them free every day. But Don, I I want to tell you a, a very important story about children's programming of why it matters so much to me. I have a three-year-old grandson and he was visiting a few months ago and his mom was fixing breakfast in the morning. I had him in the bedroom where I'm getting dressed, put him on the bed, turn on PBS kids. And he is laser focused on that programming and those cartoons and listening to that happy music and all those things. And I thought, this is great. And I, my chest popped out a little bit, you know, wow. Uh, uh, Papa's involved with something that's really good for my grandson. This is great. That night I, I come home, my daughter's back in the kitchen preparing dinner. I put him on the bed again, turn the television off. Well, earlier she had been watching Turner classic movies and that popped up and it was the outlaw Josie Wells. Clint Eastwood was in the back of a covered wagon with a Gatlin gun killing Union soldiers. And it was loud. And in a nanosecond, I thought, oh, this is going to scare Bowie, my grandson. 
And I turned and looked and he was focused exactly the same way. And I thought, oh my, if this is all that children get until they're eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old is violence. How can we expect them to be any other way? PBS will stand in that gap with programming for children to let them know there's an alternative until there's no longer a PBS. That's my commitment to carry that and to advance that for children. I've seen it for real. And it was, I tell that story from the bottom of my heart. Well, well stated. And and uh, again, uh, one of the priceless gems of North Carolina is our UNC system. And we very much appreciate you serving in that capacity. Our program has been produced by Jason Cog. If you'd like to hear a repeat of our broadcast here with David Crabtree, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com. Until next week, same time, same station. Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.